1: Dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. My guest this week is the beautiful inside and out Holly Carpenter, former Miss Ireland. She was a model. She is now a social media superstar, influencer, although we're kind of allergic to that word, content creator. She's been on radio and TV. You'll be very familiar with her. She's just a gorgeous girl, and she is here to tell me her experience of anxiety and depression, how the two interplay, how they manifest for her what was going on in her life that led to this experience of anxiety and depression and how she manages it at the moment. I really learned a lot from Holly. I hope you find it as enjoyable and reassuring and normalising as I did. Thank you as always for listening and delighted to have you back. Holly Carpenter, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It: The Anxiety Podcast. It's so good to have you here. I'll be virtually over Zoom. Yeah,
2: thanks so much. I was delighted when I got your message. I was actually kind of dying
1: for you to ask me. Oh, you've been on my list for such a long time to reach out to, and I just want to start by saying thank you for being as brave as you have been to talk about your mental health struggles, which I know can seem like an easy thing to do, but it's not. And when you did that, and in the various interviews that you've done, and the posts on social media that you've shared like you've really helped to normalize it. I'm just like so adamant in the belief that had it been normalized to the extent that it is now when we were in our early 20s, we probably never would, would have suffered to the extent that we did. And I just hope that for younger generations, particularly women coming up now, they will look at you or me saying, yeah, like this is me. I struggle with this sometimes. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm any less capable of anything that they will feel like, oh, me too. And then that top layer of pressure to not have any anxiety will just dissolve. So just thank you for all of
2: that. Oh, thanks. That's such a nice thing to say. But I I totally agree with what you're saying, because even when I was in school, I don't think we ever even spoke about mental health. Um, i yeah i would have graduated in 2010 i did my leaving cert in 2010 and that's not like obviously it's a long time ago but it's not that long ago when you think about it and just how far the conversation has come in the space of just over 10 years
1: when i really fell apart it was 2014 as anyone listening will know and it was such a different time like there was no way you were going to go on social media and be like oh like today i had a panic attack it was just such your best bits you know your Perfect holiday photos. And it's really only, I think, kind of ramped up in the last few years. And I think it's because, especially with COVID, we've all collectively struggled so much. We're all feeling it in some way. And let's just own that, I suppose, which is so, so powerful.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And I also think from like even listening to you talk to various people and having conversations with various friends, no one's journey or experiences with anxiety or depression or whatever it is are the same. So more people that talk about it you're going to find someone who you resonate with because when someone for me like I don't think like I, I'm i sure I've never had a full-on panic attack so when I hear people talk about it it's terrifying as it sounds like I've had that experience where I've been crying so much and so worried that I lose my breath and I'm yeah you know really freaking out but when people tell me about panic attacks I I can't imagine how terrifying it is but then when someone talks about other kind of forms of anxiety or depression or worries and or food issues body issues that I yeah. really really like Understand. So yeah, like like you said, the more people that just kind of talk about it, then you're you're going to you're bound to reach out to at least one person who has found that they haven't found their person that they can go. Actually, that's really similar to me.
1: Well, the first thing I want to ask you really is looking at you from a distance and how stunning you are, and your career and how successful you've been, and looking at your I guess your social media separate to the mental health posts. I would say a lot of people's reaction was. Sure, what has she got to be depressed or anxious about? Because I got that too. When on paper, your life looks good. That's not how mental health works. As we know, how has the reaction been? I know most people are good people and kind, but did you have like an added layer of anxiety of, oh, I should be okay because my life is on paper okay and there's people far worse off?
2: Yeah, I felt like even as I spoke about it, I almost kind of have have to keep saying, and I know there's people worse off and I know that I should probably try to look at the bright side But it was kind of like I didn't know where to slot myself in because on one hand I had people saying, you know, the extreme side of wellness where it was like, you know, you've got to wake up at five. You've got to meditate. You've got to journal. You've got to do yoga. You've got to eat certain foods, avoid certain foods. And it was like there was that side where I was thinking, is that where people think that I'm not doing any of that? So am I essentially not doing enough? Like, have I not tried hard enough to not feel this way? Yeah. And and then also. Just feeling like people would think that it was coming from a really privileged place. And I was just kind of being very glasses half empty when I shouldn't. I didn't deserve to be in a place yeah. to feel like that.
1: So separate to what you're actually feeling, what you're actually dealing with, you have this other layer or it it kind of grows arms and legs into having to justify your anxiety and depression in the first place which you should never have to do because there's just no point in comparing like yes there will always be someone worse off but your experience is relative to you and I'm just hoping people like get that at some point the amount of guilt we feel for feeling how we feel and that's not going to make anything better to shame yourself for it
2: exactly and I also feel like just being a woman in general, like every month, this can be a bit of a roller coaster. So I kind of found myself going, is this just my hormones? Am I just kind of, you know, is it PMS? And then I was like, well, so you're kind of going like, I was trying to maybe self-diagnose a bit before I even really looked into it. And then I remember when I was talking to my doctor about it, like when I was about 23, 24, and they suggested I went on antidepressants and I was just looking for something to make me feel better. And I think that everyone has different experiences with things like medication. It's really worked for some people. It hasn't suited other people. But I just remember thinking like I was hiding that pack of of pills like from everyone because I was like, is this really weird that I'm taking these? Is it embarrassing? Is it like there's so much shame with that. But now like so many people have said, oh, I went on those for a while or I know someone who's been on those for years and that's just what helps them. So, yeah, it's it's nice, like you said, like to see that. But also it's just. If I think I spent so much time worrying about what everyone else is going to think about it, that it was actually taking away from how much work I could have been doing on myself. And just going to you know, what? you have to think like it really doesn't matter. And also like no one's thinking about me that much. Like no. it's not. Yeah, like we kind of think we walk into a room and everyone's like, "Oh, there she is." But like that doesn't actually happen. They're worried about themselves, and that's something I have to remind myself. And it's not that I have this massive ego. Oh yeah, we all feel it. Yeah, we all feel that like, what's everyone going to say? And, you know, no one really cares if you don't go to the party or you can't make it to something or, you know, I felt like I was being really flaky because I was turning down opportunities and things like that. But I just had to protect myself at that time. And like not put myself in places where I really felt like I was there to just please loads of other people. And it was actually causing me like serious <laughs> stress.
1: It got the social implication of it is just, again, another thing that you don't need, like so, what starts is something maybe man manageable and tangible like anxiety about this thing or a depressive phase just grows arms and legs and becomes all these other things like how it will affect your relationship or your friendships or what people would think about you or how it'll affect your career opportunities and before you know it, it's kind of snowballed into something that you feel like you can't really handle. Before we go on, I want to just thank you as well for normalizing medication. I went on medication. I'm still on it and it's really worked for me. It's obviously an option for anyone who feels the need. And it, like you say, it doesn't suit everyone, but it is there. But I'd love to go back if you're comfortable and just unpack where do you think this all came from and for you would would you say it's depression and anxiety that kind of interplay or is it more depression or more anxiety and has it always been a feature of your life? Um,
2: I don't think I ever I was a really happy like child and then going forward into my teens I really loved school which is like you know not a lot of people can say that I I loved my friend group I liked my teachers I wasn't the best behaved in school at all (laughs) but I like used to just love doing like I used to love going to school even if I was getting in trouble um but I think maybe I actually don't know if this is true but I feel like I might have had or still have a touch of ADHD because my concentration in school wasn't the best and Mm -hmm. I used to always want to chat to people or kind of just do my own thing I struggled with like being told what to do so I used to end up like like I said getting in a bit of trouble um, and then I kind of carried like a lot of shame about that a bit because I felt like I was always the one just like getting called to the principal's office or doing something, but I, w- I was kind of managing it. And then obviously everyone feels a bit of stress with the leaving CERT. So I don't think I, I didn't take that on too extreme, but I suppose when I was only 19, when I won Miss Ireland, so I kind of, even though I'd gotten into like art college, I went to NCAD, I absolutely adored the college. I ended up taking a year out to model and i was kind of going to like awards like the vip style awards at 20 or doing shoots or being in the paper getting sacked the stylist and to go from like being in college you know sitting around with your friends eating your lunch on the floor to then being having this kind of expectation and this
1: standard And suddenly this whole new set of eyes and opinions honing in on you. Yeah. And I think it's
2: only now that I'm older, like I'm 30 now and I look at a 19 year old and as a little baby. Like I think they're so young or even a 20 year old, a 21 year old. I just can't I can't believe that I was so young in those situations. So I think that's when I started to put a lot of pressure on myself about my body image. And that was causing me the most anxiety, I think.
1: And what what kind of made you go into the, the modeling and the Miss Ireland? Because I feel like I've spoken to so many people who've gone into modeling and they've just experienced so much body issues and your, your self-worth being measured in your weight and how clear your skin is. And I feel like I'd be so worried if I had a daughter who showed an interest in that now. Yeah, I kind of, I
2: loved, I always loved makeup and I loved clothes and I loved the idea of things like photo shoots and all of that. And um, so I think I had a naive kind of view of it. And then the reason I entered Miss Ireland was if you won the heat that I was entering, you get a designer pair of Victoria Beckham jeans. So, <laughs> do you remember the ones with like the diamantes on the, on the back of the jeans? So I really, really wanted those. And then I won the heat and then my friends were like, oh, now you're in the final of Miss Ireland. And I was like, oh, my God. And then it kind of got really exciting and I kind of I got a lot of press attention because my granny was Terry Keane, who anyone who's from an Irish listener might know or their parents would certainly know who Terry Keane was. So I got a lot of press as Terry Keane's granddaughter, which I wasn't expecting because I didn't know my family had like I I was like, Mum, I'm literally on the front page of so many of these papers because of Terry, yeah. my granny. And um, so that was just a real kind of whirlwind.
1: And it is a wonderful opportunity. Like it's a good jumping off point for other things. It does seem to be a really good foundation for people. Yeah.
2: And I, I was doing textiles in art college and I was just like, oh, my God, I could meet so many designers, photographers, stylists. This could be such a cool way to get into that world. And yeah. um, so it was all of, a lot of those things. And it was just so exciting. Um, and then I think when I went on to do I I did when I really started to kind of feel like I was actually losing it was when I went on Britain and Ireland's Next Top Model. And I was 23 then and I just put so much pressure on myself. I was not eating enough. I was training twice a day. I was chain smoking, drinking black coffee, just trying to like be as small as I could. Mm-hmm. But then everything that comes with that, like, I didn't want to like meet up with my friends for lunch in case they were kind of like, why aren't you eating? Or I didn't want to go to family dinners in case the big dessert came out at the end and I was the only one who didn't want it. So it kind of made me really like, I think I look back and it was, it was all I thought about. It just consumed me, which is just such a waste of time. Like
1: It just seems to be such a common age as well, though. A lot of yeah. people have spoken to, it's around 24, 25. And actually what's really interesting about that age is our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of our brain that we rely on so much to help mitigate anxiety and stress. That's only fully developed by the time we're 25. We reach this point where suddenly our brain is like, Uh uh-uh, this is not working for us. And we kind of wake up and then we have all this friction and and anxiety. It just seems to be so common. Like 25 was it for me as well. Like completely fell apart.
2: Yeah, it's mad. It's such a crazy age because you're just expected to really know who you are. And it's just... You know, and like I think there's just too much pressure. I was actually reading a book called The Panic Years recently, um, by Nell. I can't remember her surname now. I'll look it up and I'll put
1: it in the podcast now. Yeah,
2: thanks. Um, and it's just about that, those, you know, college, your twenties, your thirties, and everything that comes with it in terms of your hormones and your headspace and the pressure. Do I want a career? Do I want to settle down or whatever it is? And everyone takes their own kind of path, but. Yeah, I think that the the biggest problem I had was that I was always just putting pressure on myself. And if I actually stopped and looked around, no one else was really putting the pressure on me. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't feel like, obviously the industry, the modeling industry, there is that pressure on you that people are putting on you and stuff like that.
1: Did you ever get any like direct comments about your appearance that stuck with you? Um, Yeah, definitely. Like I remember...
2: My skin was bad because my diet was like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't looking after it and I would just have comments like that. And I remember I did a photo shoot and I had actually been so nervous about it that I just ate loads of food before it the night before, because I hadn't eaten enough all week. And then I just wanted all of the food the night before. And I was called into the agency the next day. And I was told that the photographer had said, and I don't know if he said this or I don't know if this was a tactic to make me lose weight but they said the photographer was wondering if you were pregnant and because i was apparently bloated and i was just so gobsmacked and i was like what and i had actually been to like this is horrific when i think about it i had been to london on a girls weekend um like two weeks before and they were like oh what were you actually doing in london actually and they it was like they were trying to say that i'd gone to london for something to do with me being pregnant (gasps) I know that was probably the worst thing that was ever said to me while I was modeling. Oh, my God. And I like that's it's not something to be ashamed of if that had been, you know, where what I was doing. Exactly. That. But I'm just saying that, like, that's the way that they were insinuating something about my body and saying it to me. And there was actually a casting going on in the agency at the time. So there was five people sitting in chairs behind me that I didn't know and they were listening.
1: Oh, my God. And at that point, are you like, this is bullshit? I, that was
2: actually when I stopped modeling after that
1: well done for just stepping away from it because you could very easily get sucked into being like well if you really believe that that's your measure of self-worth and success that you're going to have to just keep going until you tick all their boxes so well done thanks
2: I think you have to like to get to a point where I'm like I'm not going to be spoken to like this it's not worth it anymore I just so I actually I stopped modeling around that age I felt like I had done Miss Ireland and Britain's Next Top Model and shoots and stuff like that and I was just like
1: You've gotten enough out of it at that point.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's not like Dublin. It's not, it's not Paris. I'm not going to be the face of Chanel. I'm probably more likely to be doing a photo call on Grafton Street. <laughs> so I had my fun. Um, and then I just felt a weight was lifted. Like anyone who's left a job that they just didn't like, or even if it's a friend group, they weren't, you know, yeah. that was causing anxiety or anything like that. It's just that feeling where you're like, now obviously I was like, what the hell am I going to do? But luckily around that time, social media was taking off and my following was growing. And I was I had a big following on Snapchat and Instagram was kind of taking off. So I was like, maybe this is something that's going to be a big thing. And it obviously is.
1: (laughs) It was good to have that insight. And I suppose moving over to social media, obviously it has its own issues, but maybe you have a little bit more control there and you can decide what of yourself you put out there. I I want to know, how did this feeling of reaching this kind of tipping point, how did it manifest in your body and mind? What did you experience? How did you know that you weren't okay?
2: I think the, the minute I woke up, I would catastrophize my whole day. Mm-hmm. And that was when I knew it was like really bad. I'd wake up and I, it would be like, <gasps> like, it was like taking my first breath in the morning. I was thinking, oh my God, what if this is going to happen? That's going to happen. I'm going to forget to do that. I think I forget to, forgot to call that person. I think this is going to be canceled. What if I'm not good enough at that thing that I have on later today? And it was just like a really, really negative voice first thing in the morning. And it would just be like a tight feeling in my chest. And when I would go through those kind of periods, I'd be really, really sensitive to sound. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to go into coffee shops because, you know, when they smack the grinder yeah. off the machine out of nowhere and I would literally jump out of my skin. So I wouldn't I'd kind of avoid like really crowded places or, you know, walking into a coffee shop. I'd, I'd have to like I'd even have headphones on that didn't, weren't playing anything. Mm-hmm.
1: And was that frightening? I mean, to be like, why is this happening? Because it, it would be hard to kind of connect the dots if you don't understand anxiety. When did you kind of know, right, I think that this is what I'm dealing with here.
2: I think a lot of it was through listening to other people talk about it. And I heard it, it started, was talking about on, talked about it on the radio, I think. And the doctor that I had spoken to, I think was probably more he was leaning more towards that I had depression um, but I think I think it was just talked about a lot more and and my friends were saying that they were feeling anxious and it was actually talking to them, and that's when I realized that it was anxiety, but I was able to like fake it till I made it like I was still able to go do you know what just like put on a bit of a mask go in smile work the room meet people yeah do that and then I'd come home and it would be like such a relief that I was able to just lock the door and like have a shower like I'd you know just certain things I've learned have really helped like even if it's the middle of the day if I feel like I need to start my day again I'll just like have a shower and it just with really good like music on and it just feels like washing the day off and that's something actually James Kavanagh said that he does as well that he's just when he's in that kind of headspace it just having a shower or ideally like jumping in the sea is amazing but I don't live that close to the seas it's not as, as quick as going I'm just going to walk into the shower um but yeah that's yeah I think it's something now that I I've learned more about my triggers and I think that before as well, I'd go to an event and I'd be really anxious, so I'd end up drinking way too much because you know, you'd know you be going, all right. And then I'd make a fool of myself and the next day I'd be so anxious about that. Yeah. So like, I know that things like alcohol can completely increase it, whether it's because I've got a hangout, hangover, which hangovers and anxiety are so linked, or it's because sometimes you're so anxious, then you just, I, I find myself just wanting to drink more.
1: You don't even notice it. I don't yeah. even think it. If it is. It doesn't hit you the same because you're socially anxious that it kind of it dampens down the feeling. And then when you get home, you're like, oh, shit, I drank way too much. And then you're going to suffer from it. It's such a weird thing, alcohol, because it kind of it's a short term solution to anxiety, but like long term makes it worse. How do you differentiate between depression and anxiety? Because depression is. Something I've only kind of experienced as a symptom of all of the anxiety that I felt, I got really depressed about the fact that I was so anxious and I wasn't able to leave my house. So I remember being diagnosed as depressed because I ticked enough boxes that fit into that category. But I don't really have much experience in like I'm in a depression right now. For you, does it come in waves? Yeah,
2: I think for me, when I'm anxious, I feel really, really rattled and it's like jumpy and scared and like physically vibrating and then when I feel depressed I feel absolutely nothing okay yeah so it's more like numb and it's the things that would normally excite me or make me feel happy just don't do anything for me when I feel like that so luckily that doesn't happen as often these days or it like if I had an I could have one anxious day a week whereas if I have a depressed day I think it's going to be more likely it'll turn into a week or more does
1: one follow the other
2: I think so yeah I think I think that it could be a like I was in a cycle where I would be really really anxious and then I'd go to something I might be drinking too much to try and ease the anxiety and then the alcohol would lower my mood especially I found if I was on what the medication I was on when I mixed it with alcohol it would kind of bring me to a really low point and then when I started to come out of it I might start feeling anxious again. So it was, it was just like up and down, up and down. Um, So I really had to try to figure out what was was causing each emotion. But then I kind of got better at knowing that if I was having a depressed day or an anxious week or an anxious week or whatever, like if I was having that feeling, I kind of know like, look, this happens sometimes and you also have got through this each time it's happened. So, like, rather than... Because the inner voice can be so harsh. It's like, oh, why are you struggling? Like what? You've you've been to the gym, like you've been eating healthy, you've been with your friends, your work, you're, you've got a really good job opportunity this week. Everything's going well. Like why, why are you depressed?
1: <laughs> it's like, it doesn't care. It, it doesn't look at where you are in life and say, oh, we'll leave her alone. It can often come down to just a chemical thing in the brain or That's it, yeah, experiencing stress for a long period of time. Like you said that you felt lighter as soon as you stepped away from modeling I think it's amazing that you did, but so often it's the case where like you push yourself and push yourself and maybe it's a job situation. And then you think, oh, if I just leave the job situation, it will make everything go away. But at that point, you've experienced stress and you've been so hard on yourself for so long that it doesn't just switch off. You're yeah. kind of left with all the scars of that, that you have to unravel. And it can take a really long time to get there. Yeah. It's interesting you say about the social anxiety, because I would see you at events from far and be like too shy <laughs> to say <laughs> hi. And I would think, oh my gosh, she's the most confident girl ever. What have you found that has helped in those situations?
2: Like if I'm having a good day, I genuinely don't feel shy, like I can walk into a room and like chat to everyone and have my phone out and be filming things for my stories and not even think about things because I'm on in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. But when I, like you said, and those anxious things where I feel like I have to fake it till I make it, um, I think I just kind of plan it a bit more in my head and I break it down and I'm kind of like, OK, this is only going to take maybe an hour or two hours out of your day. Just, you know, take a deep breath. I won't drink any coffee that day. I'll just kind of make sure that I know, at least I'll kind of try and work out if there's anyone going that I know that I can even. Because if I'm in that headspace and I walk in and I don't know anyone, you know, and you're like, who do I even walk over to?
1: Hey, well, now you can walk over to me because I'll be yeah. the same. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we can just cling on to you. <laughs> but yeah, I know, like, I don't know. I think um, sometimes I, I'm just kind of happy that I've made it because other times I just won't go. So like if if it is the point where I'm going, oh my God, this is causing me so much, like I've gotten, my taxi has been outside and I've been fully ready and I'm about to leave the house and I've gone. I actually can't. like
1: I did that recently with an event as well. And I remember just being so hard on myself being like, oh God, you're an idiot. You should have gone. At some point you have to be like, no, does this actually serve me well right now? Do I need this right now? Yeah. And no, you probably don't. No, it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't go. I think we feel this pressure to always push through anxiety and push through. I interviewed Susan Kane and she said we don't actually always have to be in this Herculean effort to like push through and prove it and fight against anxiety. Sometimes we can serve ourselves best and dissolve anxiety by saying, you know what? Not today. I
2: really, really believe that because if you feel like you have to fight it all the time, that is taking so much out of you. And it's such a a physical, a mental battle, and I remember I had a therapist, one of many probably, and she used to say to me, just sit with it, and that used to really annoy me, because I didn't want to just sit with anything, I just wanted to fight it, resolve it, figure it out, I was like, why though, like, why do I feel like that, and she's like, just sit with it, it's okay, and I remember being like, actually, she has a point, because, you know, if you're going, this is how I feel, it's actually okay, what
1: do I need right now that will help yeah. this situation right now? It's
2: not like I've just decided not to turn up to my wedding day or something silly. <laughs> <laughs> like, good. I think everyone will be okay if I don't come. So yeah, I think that's true. But then on the other days where you there's a there's a small voice that's going. I actually think you can do this. And then when you do go, do you know, what? I'll give myself a little push and I'll try. It's such an it gives me such a proud feeling when I'm like I, I didn't want to come today and I came and it was really nice and I saw people that I really love chatting to and now it's done and I'm proud of myself. So it is just kind of like trying to like assess how you feel and like sit with it as she said and go. Watch is the best thing for me now? Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you.
0: Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
1: People often ask me, like, what was the deciding factor in you being so kind of brutally honest on social media? And it's not, oh, I've made this decision. I'm going to be so brave in quotation marks. I just know that if I was to just constantly put out the best bits, which social media was originally designed for to be very much a highlight, I am creating a version of myself that I cannot match in my reality. And that difference creates all kinds of like imposter syndrome that fake it till you make it only gets you so far before it gets in on top of you. So I was like, I have no other choice but to just be myself and say this is how I am today because otherwise I have nothing else to say. I'm just curious about when you made that decision, to share on social media. First of all, what was going on that you were like, I need, I need to say it now. And secondly, how has your relationship with what you put out there changed? Do you feel the same pressure that I think everyone used to feel to just put the best foot forward? Um,
2: I think like one of the times I was the most honest was during early into lockdown. Mm-hmm. um, And I, I remember I was like I'd had a really really bad week and I just couldn't stop crying for like a week Um, and my eyes were just constantly bright red but I had this feeling I was like I haven't posted any photos on Instagram like I need some sort of photo because I was looking at people doing so much and I was like I've done nothing so I put on my sunglasses and my friend took a picture of me and I'm like smiling the sun's shining and it's really nice picture and then I was just looking at it and I was like what is this going to do if I put this up and pretend to be completely fine? Um, I was just like, there's just no point. So I remember putting it on Twitter and saying something like, when you look at this picture, you'd never know that the, the only reason I'm wearing sunglasses is because I haven't been able to stop crying for a week. And I literally, I can't remember word for word what I said. Like it resonated with so many people and they were just really supportive, really understanding, really nice. And... The response was really lovely because I think people were shocked. Like, they, like you said, they didn't look at me and think that I was struggling. It did feel like a bit of a release, but then I also felt a bit panicked that I had been so
1: honest in that moment. You actually were in a moment of acute stress and depression. So like as much as it was great to share it when it was happening, you didn't probably need to be dealing with everyone's reaction at that time. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And then I remember getting contacted by a mental health charity, radio stations, journalists. And I yeah. was just like, oh, should I have just waited until I actually was through this? Because now that's a bit too much. Yeah. Um, so I kind of did what I had to do, but I also felt like as much as i was willing to open up i didn't owe anyone anything either so i just was like respond the most important thing for me was to respond to my dms because that's where girls who had followed me for years and years were opening up to me and that was more important to me than going on a radio show or you know that kind of thing so it was it was really nice but i also felt like You don't need to become like the poster child. No, exactly. Because I don't I don't necessarily have any answers either. So I was just like, why would I then go? And but at the same time, yeah, it did. It did feel like a real release. And I also felt like a lot more understood by my actual friends and family, Mm
0: -hmm. because I
2: think then they looked back on the week or two prior and they kind of realized, okay, she hasn't been responding to texts or phone calls she hasn't met up with anyone now obviously we couldn't really meet up at the time but they just I think it made them understand like oh it's not Holly being a flake or being rude or just turning off her phone because she's not ours like she actually has been so it worked in a lot of ways
1: and since then would you be more forthcoming with your friends and family to say look I'm I'm not feeling so great this week yeah How does it feel to be able to say like, because I I would say like, oh, I'm having an anxious day the same way I'd say like, oh, I had a sandwich. Like I just bringing it down to that level and not being like, oh, my God, took the horns off it, I suppose.
2: I think I still sometimes, to be honest, I think I still sometimes struggle with it. Yeah, I think I still want to be like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's really good. Don't worry about me. And so I think I have to probably get a little bit better at that. But it's amazing how people who really know you and love you just know they can see through it. Yeah. So they're kind of, even if no one really tends to push me too much, but I think people are, are aware when I'm not, and they're like, do you need a hug? Or, mm-hmm. cause I think like sometimes for me, like if someone just gives me the smallest bit of, like affection in that moment Then I'll just actually Soften up And I'll open yeah. up Because I do still think I feel like I need to be fine And I, I remember like Lying to people Like if I had a really bad day And someone would be like What did you do today I'd be like oh, I did a gym class At half seven And then I walked max And then I was recording something And then And I Like it would all be a lie Like I hadn't done any of that yeah. So I remember I was too embarrassed To be like I actually lay in bed Until half twelve And then like made some toast, got back into bed, Do you know.
1: Does that come from the version of wellness and self-care that we see on social media where, you know, you're having your 5 a.m. salute in the sun and yeah. everything? How does being on social media, not just broadcasting your own stuff, but consuming everyone else's content, how does that play into how you feel?
2: It's definitely quite damaging, yeah. I would say. Um, I think that like, yeah, I think that the wellness industry is obviously amazing on one hand and the conversations that are being had are amazing but it's just the level of perfectionism that some people yeah. are showing and you know it's just unrealistic um, and there's not even one person or one account that I would pinpoint and say these people are wrong because at the same time a lot of people are just doing what works for them it's just when you feel like you're bombarded by it though I think my head if I see someone run 10 k I'm immediately like, I haven't done that today. Or if someone is having a really healthy breakfast and I didn't have breakfast and then had a chicken fillet roll for lunch, I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I do that? So you're kind of just like comparing yourself and it's the comparison. Um, but then I also know that like a lot of stuff, it's not necessarily recorded and posted live. Yeah. And it's also not. So like I, I started my own podcast as well this year called Filter Free. And it was about, after I posted that photo on Twitter, I wanted to ask guests, what I wanted to present a photo to them from their timeline and say what was actually going on in your life when you posted this mm-hmm. and then something like quite often I've had people going that is not how I was feeling that's not how I looked that day that was a makeup selfie from the week before um, I'd actually been going through a breakup or whatever it was and I, I think it's it's like it's interesting that we still a lot of us feel this pressure and even though I have that podcast. I am an influencer. I have the awareness. I still go on and scroll and compare myself to what I see.
1: In some ways, like we're creating the content that we would receive ourselves and be like, oh, I didn't do that today. Or I don't look like that. Or my bedroom doesn't look that bad. Or Yeah. And, and it would affect us. But then we feel the need to kind of just stay in the race, I suppose, of creating it as well. It's it is a really funny one. I still haven't quite figured out my best approach with social media, because I think I need to be honest. Like, I can't not. I would love to win the lottery and be like, I'm done. I get very caught up in what people think. And because I'm now like, I guess, known for sharing my reality, it's like a few too many good days. I'm like, oh, I better, better throw some shit in there. People think that life is too good. And and there's also this tendency towards misery porn where people feed off seeing you say, oh, like, show us your most vulnerable stuff. Show us you having a terrible day that they're kind of allergic to you having a good day then. And it's, it's a really weird one. I don't know yet. Like I would love if I was able to reach a point where I could just share the things I want to share and not have a, a news feed that I can scroll that would be the dream but I know that's not how it works
2: I know I'm the same because it's essentially like my full-time job aside from the other bits and bobs that I do and sometimes I'd love to just you know when people say just take a break from social media that's like me telling someone to take a month off work or two yeah. weeks off work. like you can't like everyone has bills to pay so it's just I think that like any content I've done that's performed the best has been when I've enjoyed doing it and when it's been real and honest and stuff like that and even sometimes it could just be like me walking my dog on the beach or you know I think sometimes when you see people jetting off on press trips to Paris or someone's in getting proposed to in Rome and so it doesn't have to be like that exciting like I love watching someone how they rearranged their shelf in their bedroom or someone talking like a photo of them on their confirmation day like Something funny Do you yeah. know what I mean I think that it's nice to just keep it like a bit light as well but I know what you're saying because then after I opened up it was like I felt like should I if I post a really nice photo of me going for dinner now the next day is that weird
1: are people gonna say oh I thought you were depressed hang on what's going on you know yeah. <laughs>
2: like so exactly it's it's really strange like it's it's such a funny one and I don't think any of us really realize the extent of how much damage it probably is doing in a way to our heads like do you know that way but yeah I think that like what I have to do and I still probably don't do is like like treat it like a little bit like work hours yeah um and and just do things like switch off because I could even be listening to a podcast and walking my dog and ordering a coffee and then my hand will just come out and open Instagram and scroll while I'm doing all that
1: I know. Like, yeah. it's,
2: it's like, it's kind of like I'm trying to distract
1: myself from all these different angles. It's a full addiction. Like I left the phone in the bedroom and like brought the laptop downstairs the other day to write. And I honestly could feel myself just fizzing wanting yeah. to get back to it. And I was like, this is not normal. Like, But it actually is so normal because we all have this basal level of anxiety because we're constantly plugged in. So that's like giving us a foundation of constant stress that we don't even question anymore. So then I of know. course, all the other stuff comes on top and feels like a lot more. Tell me about COVID. I know that you had gotten quite a good handle on things and then you were kind of plunged back into isolation, which we all were in in the beginning. Did you feel like at that point you had kind of learned enough and knew enough to kind of keep yourself afloat or was that just like, okay, I've, I've lost it again?
2: I think that like, it's so weird to think back to it now because I had just moved into the house that I'm in now and I didn't really have any furniture. I didn't have a dog. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't know anyone on the street. And then that was on New Year's Day. And then come March, we were in lockdown, basically. So I felt really like uh, isolated. Obviously, we all felt isolated, but I felt really like I'm on this new, in this new house, in this new area where I don't know anyone. To be
1: actually on your own, like it's so hard. Yeah.
2: And then I was like, people were talking about how long it was going to go on. And I was like, am I ever going to? like meet someone and I was worried about my career cause I started doing like more radio and TV and then that was all kind of getting canceled. And it was the same for so many people. Um, but I think that, um, I think I was cause I really like to know what's happening. I like to know, I always have like a planner and I like to have a little countdown if it's my friend's wedding or if it's a job, I always just like to know what's coming up ahead mm-hmm. and obviously day by day, more things are getting canceled and the future was so uncertain. And I think uncertainty rocks me to my core. Even if it's like feeling uncertain in a relationship or a friendship, it just sends me completely mad. So I just, I started to really lose it, to be honest. And then it, it was kind of just, I felt like, what's the point every day in mm-hmm. like getting up and, you know, like I don't didn't know what I was really supposed to be doing. Um, and then that's when I felt like Instagram had become this like, productivity competition like who was learning a new language who took up yoga who was doing this and I was just like oh, can no one just be like I'm actually going to shave my head and freak out <laughs> I wanted I wanted to know that other people were felt like me but I didn't necessarily want to be the one to be like okay I'm the only influencer who's not doing yoga I'm like drinking a bottle of wine
1: learning Italian yeah what is your most unsexy version of self-care I don't mean like the matcha lattes or the sea swim. What for you is like, all oh, this just brings me back to center and it's not necessarily Instagram worthy.
2: I love, I, 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 I'm kind of like one of those like cozy people. I love my bed as well. And I love getting into bed with my dog. Oh yeah. <laughs> some people, yeah, some people were like, oh, don't get your dog in bed. But I love being in bed my dog, with my dog, in pajamas, watching something like that, which is just like mindless kind of drama and yeah. just kind of eating snacks. And like my... There might be laundry on the floor that needs to be done. The room might look like a bit of a tip, but that's not something I'm going to film a reel of and put up, like you said, you know, it's not something yeah. that, like that. But um, I think just accepting that you can be a bit of a like your hair can be greasy and sometimes it's kind of nice when your hair is greasy and you just slick it back and you're just yeah. kind of like you know and you just feel like a we bit need of bring a dirt
1: greasy bird. hair back yeah I kind of like
2: feeling like a bit of a dirt bird like and there's tan and my pajamas and stuff and I'm like yeah. you know what tomorrow and then when you actually go right I'm ready and then you start doing your washing you do a hair mask you do a face mask I find that like Skincare, weirdly for me, has been something that's a real hobby. And during lockdown, mm-hmm. if I sat down and I was like going to tint my eyebrows, do a, like a, a clay mask, cleanse it off, use under eye patches, comb my hair back in this with some serum. It was like kind of like building myself. And I wasn't doing it because I was going to see anyone. No one was going to see. Me. But it was just like a really nice process. And each thing took its own amount of time. So like those kind of little beauty treatments for me were are always like a really enjoyable self-care because I genuinely I'm so into them
1: it's a ritual yeah and it, it makes you be really mindful and because it's quite tactile you're you're obviously not like scrolling when you're doing it so anything that takes you away from that is probably going to help bring down that stress response for me it's so much about values these days. So like the antidote to a lot of the anxieties and things that we feel is like bringing you back to like what's actually important to you. And for so long you were conditioned to believe that what mattered was your weight, your skin, not having any bloating. How have you pulled yourself away from those outward measures of self-worth and into what actually matters because that to me is the key to living life with purpose, I suppose.
2: I suppose like, it's not something that I've completely let go of. Um, and it's, I am I kind of, I'm not so hard on myself. If if I'm really bloated and my skin breaks out, I don't expect myself to go, that's okay, you're still beautiful on the inside. I know it's <laughs> it's going to piss me off and it's going to yeah. affect my confidence, but I've, I've learned to go, that's still human. And it's still like, even like the picture you shared recently, like things like that really help where you're like, everyone gets bloated. Everyone yeah. experiences this. But I think that I just I'm in a really like happy relationship now as well, which has helped a lot. i um, being around people that don't understand you and coming back to things like having a walk on the beach with my dog, and my boyfriend and ringing my mom for a chat, FaceTiming my dad. Like those kind of things are just they're the connections and the things that bring me back and they ground me. Yeah. And they just remind me what life is actually about. And then. suddenly don't care if I have to like physically unbuckle my jeans when I sit down like that doesn't matter because I've just been laughing on the phone at my mum or my boyfriend's just kissed me on the head and give me a big hug do you know that's like what really makes me
1: feel good you sound like you're in such a good place and you have come through so much and learned so much just to like repeat what I said like I'm just so appreciative that you normalized it and what's also really important because you come on and say like oh I've been dealing with this you don't have to do that from a point of oh and I'm all fixed now it's not something you fix it's like we all have these waves and we go in and out of phases of feeling it whether it's anxiety or depression and it's really admirable to hear from people when they're kind of in the thick of it as well and also in spite of that in spite of what you've been through and, and like maybe having a tendency towards feeling anxious or depressed you're still living your life to the full you're still achieving things you're taking it all along with you on your journey and you really are owning it in such a, a brilliant way so you should be so proud of yourself and i'm sure everyone in your life who's really close to you is really proud as well
2: you're gonna make me cry it's been so hard not to like cry doing this because it's like i should have i don't get
1: more listens no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, like, my eyes they're probably just the tears i will have a little drop out once we stop but no thank you so much honestly thanks so much for everything i'm delighted to have come on and have
1: the chats oh amazing thank you so much Holly thank you so much for listening to owning it the anxiety podcast I will be back next week with more in the meantime please do join me over on instagram at owning it podcast where I will share clips tips anything that is relevant to the podcast and ask you some questions and get you involved in some polls too thank you so much Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The easiest way to access owning it real time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for owning it real time and access a full library of 10 situation specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.